Hello, T of HP. This is Criminal Commentary with another episode. I'm Mason. I'm Izzy. So what are we going to be talking today about? Today we are talking about Catalina de Arauso, the 15th century nun who, who fled her convent and became an adventurer in the Americas. Uh, so this gets pretty crazy. Uh, so stick around. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to be hearing all about this for the first time. Mm-hmm. We're trying a new format out. Uh, one of us will do more research and then one of us will do the research and then the other one will uh, ask questions, kind of at, kind of act as the audience surrogate. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, Catalina uh, de Arauso um, is known uh, by many people in Latin America. Uh, she's a popular folk character and her adventures have garnered many myths and legends of being, you know, gambling and um, and killing and just being a general, uh, you know, a, a general person that just created havoc. Um, and so, uh, but at the same time, scholars are also very fascinated by her because her story um, has a lot to do with gender and sexuality in the Spanish Golden Age uh, um, because of the fact that she was also a cross, she was also a cross dresser um, and uh, she used many male disguises throughout her life. Uh, and so in her autobiography, um, in t- uh, written sometime uh, between uh, 1626 and 1630, um, called The Lieutenant Nun, um, it reads like a, a picaresque novel, and it's full of gambling, killing, uh, and lots and lots of attitude. Uh, so um, I, I actually read this in preparation for the podcast. It's, it's a pretty short read. Um, Wait, so she's a nun who kills people? Yes, essentially. So, so she Kinda never. Ironic. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll learn more about exactly if she is really a nun or not uh, later. But um, yeah, but it's the story itself. You might find just kind of goes all over the place, uh, and sometimes even contradictory. It's probably because she just spoke it out um, verbally to some scribe, and so there's this uh, f- there's this is uh, kind of nice um, imagery that the not that the person who did the translator's note said uh where um uh, perhaps as she paced up and down mm-hmm. a seville uh, parlor waiting for permission from the council of the indies to return to the americas recounting with spirited delight the story of her adventures there now and then lunging with some imaginary sword at some remembered op- opponent perhaps frightening the hapless scribe who had settled down her words uh and taking and her taking pleasure in that and for that reason, uh, the flavor of speech, which is not always careful or concise, which often repeats itself, permeates the inmost fabric of the narrative. So that's kind of the thing that, um, you know, I, I read about in this. Uh, but with that, let's let's get started. All right. Let's begin. Um, so uh, Catalina de Arauso was born in either 1585 uh, or 1592. She claims in the book to be born in 1585, um, although although church documents show that she was actually born in uh, 1592. Uh, so it's not really clear what that is about. Um, either way, she was born in the Basque town of San Sebastian um, and was an influential member of the de Arasso family. Uh, and like many affluent Basque families, uh, she was sent along with her sisters to a to become nuns in a convent uh, while her brothers were sent to the Americas to get a fortune. Uh, and so at the age of four, she was sent to the convent of San Sebastian. Uh, so in that, in that way, she is, she is kind of a nun. Um, but she hadn't taken her vows yet. Did she want to be a nun when she first entered this? Um, not, 
Not really. I mean, she didn't have much of a choice. Uh, see, like, the role of women in uh, in Spain at that time was very uh, is is very different from what it is today. Um, in in that era of Spain, women were sometimes seen as like a mistake. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Like they uh, they were they were viewed as like an inversion of men, uh, and that like. Uh, and, and so, like, it's difficult to kind of understand what Catalina must have thought of that. Uh, but it also shows how much being a woman limited her potential. You know, her brothers were sent off to the Americas to, you know, find a fortune there uh, where there was all this gold and adventure. While she was just forced to be a nun, either stay as a nun or marry somebody. And that was really her only choice. Oh. Yeah. Um, so uh, she lived there as a nun until she was 15 years old. Um, and this was around the time where she was supposed to take her vows and then become a nun. So she technically wasn't a nun at this point. Um, but as she was, uh, you know, as she was about to uh, take her vows, she decided to leave. She, she was like, I'm done with this. Some of the nuns even were beating her. Oh. Um, so, I mean, she had, she had reason to leave as well. Good for her. Yeah, so she stole the keys from the person running uh, the convent, who was her aunt, um, and she she had never even been on the outside world, like she doesn't remember being on the outside world at all, and just and just wandered outside, <laughs> wandered outside, and then hid in a garden, um, and cut her hair, uh, made herself new clothes, and disguised herself as a man. And from that point on, she is essentially a fugitive. Cross dressing was a crime, and uh, and she is now. Um, she now has a completely different identity. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Did she go by a different name? Uh, she did, yeah. Uh, at that, that, she doesn't record what her name was at that point, but um, she she did keep pretty close to home. Like, she she still had, like, a Basque name. Mm -hmm. um, for, those, for those who don't know, uh, Bat, uh, the Basque country is essentially in northwestern Spain, um, and it's, it's like a, it's a distinct linguistic group that has its kind of own uh own language and so she kind of she takes a lot of pride in the fact that she's from this Basque country so she's still stuck with that even though she had a different name as a man um so uh she was just kind of wandering down around spain uh and uh she ran into a friar uh who happened to be married to uh one of her aunts so again she just kind of runs into some family this, mm -hmm. this starts a long line of coincidentally her running into some family uh and uh, uh and when the doctor of this friar um starts to take a little bit too much interest in her in like kind of a creepy way oh. she um she basically uh just steals from the guy and leaves and so you get a yeah yeah she as she should uh like you get it you get a sense of her personality in this so I'll, I'll read this here um uh with this i decide to leave uh, that there is exactly, and that is exactly what I did. I relieved him of some of his cuartos I found laying about the place. And when I found a driver headed for Valladolid, um, I struck out a deal with Povarelis and set out and set out uh, set out for the city. So, so she's kind of just like you know, I relieved him of the of the coins. She's kind of having fun with it. Um, so it, it's it's kind of fun like that. Is, um, so yeah. Uh, Does she ever decide to leave the area? To leave the what area? The, where, by her family? Like, did she decide to leave the country if she could? 
Yeah, so um, she so she so she goes south, uh, kind of mm-hmm. towards uh, Madrid for a time. She, in fact, actually um, joins the the king's court uh, as oh. a page, which means uh, and pages were kind of these like boy servants who were known to be kind of like effeminate. So there's a little bit of like that nuance there. Um, and she worked uh, as a servant there uh, for a while. Um, but while she was working there. Um, something happens where uh, her dad literally rolls up and is like, hey, I'm looking for my daughter who escaped from a convent um, and starts asking around. And so there's like this one scene where she's like standing awkwardly in a hall with her father. The father does not recognize her at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it, it just seems like too perfect to be true. Um, and there's, there's a lot of stuff like that in this. Uh, certainly there's a lot of embellishment in this in this story um, because she she knew how to lie but um, at the same time uh, there has been documentation to show that she has done most of the things that she said at least generally so I mean so take that while you're listening to this um, some think like think about it again like somebody telling you the story um, you know they might they might exaggerate things a little bit it's not a perfect record so um yeah, and after that, uh, she she decided to go back up uh, to her hometown, uh, and in that home in her hometown again, she she did something pretty ballsy, and she went back to the convent she was she was in before, to just go to the service there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and what and, a power move. Yeah, right. Uh, and she she literally saw her her mom there and looked at her mom, um, and uh, her mom literally saw her and they like stared at each other for a while. But her mom did not recognize her at all, mm-hmm. uh, and this seems to be kind of the the moment where uh, Catalina knew that she had really that she, could, that she really solidified her other identity, and that she could that she could really take this far as she wanted to. Um, I'm and, curious. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. What was her relationship with her family like? So it's it's not explicitly stated. That part of the book she just skips over, mm-hmm. um, but she. It's it's implied that she really does not have any connection with like the male side of her family. Mm-hmm. So again, all the men were just off doing their own thing in uh, in the new world at the time, and the women were all just kind of nuns. <laughs> so uh, she really only had this connection with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be, but because she had that calling card, because uh, she knew that she could really go go wherever she wanted now that she was a man, um, she uh, hitched a ride on a ship, uh, which was also coincidentally um uh captained by her uncle oh <laughs> yeah what a small world yeah right and um and sailed over to the americas uh and i have a map here i might maybe put it in the uh in the show notes uh if you if you want to get a better sense of her travels um but she arrived in what is now panama uh soon after that and she was actually like fighting pirates as she got there <laughs> so just randomly ran into pirates because that's that's kind of the time period this was in um you know pirates of the caribbean uh and so uh uh while they were um uh anchored like uh she um uh, she like walked into her uncle's cabin and um because the uncle had like uh, taken a liking to her, and she just like she just beat him over the head. Boop. I would too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she beat she beat him over the head and knocked him out, 
and then stole like oh, did uh, the a ton of money. Know that no, oh. no. Every, so every, everybody is clueless about this, which also feels pretty convenient. But at the same time, like, like I mean, how much? How how like? It's not like we really are. It's not like they have the same identifiers for like, mm. um, for gender as uh, we do now. Mm. Um, so she just stole this money and fled onto the mainland. Uh, she 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 like claimed to the people working on the ship that her uncle had sent her off to do something, and like from that moment on, she was just kind of wandering uh, in the new world in this place that you know, was completely alien to Spain only a hundred years ago. Uh, so it was still pretty lawless, uh, as an area. Um, so in a town, uh, called Sanya, uh, she worked at a shop, um, by a man named Urquiza, who, uh, who took a liking to her and, uh, gave her a, uh, a store that she could, uh, run. I realize a lot of people are taking a liking to her. Yeah, that's that's the other part that's kind of convenient. Throughout the story, you're going to see a lot of people that are just like, uh, just help her for like no reason. Or just um, like are her. super generous. Like even when she is like doing terrible things. <laughs> uh, so it brings to question like who exactly people were and how much she just did that for convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, how, much, how much nuance is being lost because of the way she was telling the story. Uh, but either way, we do know that she worked at the store, and uh, and as she tells it, um, she uh, she you know she had some friends there, and one night they went out to uh, watch a comedy show. So you know they still had comedy shows back then, uh, and so she was watching the show, right? And then some guy walks up in front of her and places a chair right in front of her, right in front of where she's sitting, and the guys, and the guy. Uh, just kind of sat there and she's like, um, excuse me, can you, uh, can you move please? Um, and, and he was just like, uh, like, I, I'm not going to move. And if you try and make me move, I'm going to cut your face. And so, <laughs> um, so this is like her, her big encounter with kind of this like masculine bombacity where it's mm-hmm. just, uh, which she, which throughout the story you'll see she despises. Um, she didn't have a knife on her, so she kind of had to like, so she had to flee uh, because she was so mad. She just left in the middle of the show. But later on, um, while she was working at a store, she saw the same guy whose name was Reyes uh, walking by the store, and she was like, "All right, I want revenge." And so, um, what she what she did is she got her sword, she got a knife out. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, she approached him in the night. And, she, and so I'll read some of the dialogue she has here. Ah, Senor Reyes. He turned and asked, what do you want? I said, this is the face you were thinking of cutting up. And I gave him a slash worth 10 stitches. And so he, so she, so she kind of gave him exactly what. I love he, he thought she was going to kill him. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I think it she. It sounded like it was going there. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because, you know, um, she gets pretty ruthless. So. Uh, so, well, well, after that, they did get into a sword fight. Um, oh. some of Reyes's friends came out, like, uh, and they started, and they started fighting each other, you know, all, like, swashbuckling. Um, and then the police started coming after her, uh, and they all fled. Uh, but she was thrown into jail. Um, but her boss, Urquiza, um, bailed her out. Uh, even though she was, even though she was in jail for, uh, for this fight. Uh, the, the only way that she could, he could get her out was if she agreed to marry um, 
his uh his her boss's mistress uh named Beatrice de Cardenas. Mm, so he got something out of it too. Yeah, he wanted to keep them all close. Um and also it was important because she was uh Reyes's uh aunt. So oh. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. So it was a it was, it was a nice arrangement. Um except there seems to be something uh going on between Catalina and Beatrice because Catalina mentions that she snuck out multiple times to be with Beatrice. Uh, and so this this brings up the um, other interesting part about Catalina's sexuality, because uh, it's hint. Uh, this is the first time where it's really hinted at that uh, she, you know, was attracted to um, to Beatrice. Uh, and although, I mean, this didn't work out uh, because uh, at one point Beatrice demanded that um, Catalina sleep with her, and so she just slapped her in the face because she didn't want to be discovered and ran away. <laughs> Um, so Beatrice did. Yeah. Um, she, she never told. It's not. It's not explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. I. I'm assuming. I'm assuming she didn't. But it's. It's hard to tell with the way that she's. The way that Catalina is describing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I. I, th- I don't think she did though, considering what happened at the end. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, because of this, she refused uh, to marry uh, Beatrice, uh, even though Urquiza, who really liked her for whatever reason, was like pleading with her to stay. Um, and so he eventually uh, told her to escape to another town in Peru. Uh, where she, where she, yeah, where she, yeah this, is, this is all in Peru. So, um, or at least what it was called Spanish Peru at the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're Peruvian, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, yeah, so this is kind of, this is kind of like a tour of Peru. You go, you go all the way down to where Chile is and then, up into the Andes, uh, we'll see all we'll see all of that uh, later, and um, yeah, and, and so Peru at this time was you know very different from what it's today. <laughs> um, at this time, it was uh, a lot of encomiendas. Uh, you know what encomiendas are? So uh, essentially, they were like uh, work. There were like labor camps uh, that uh, employed or not employed, but forced. Uh, uh, Native Americans to do labor f- to extract resources. So it the put, Spaniards. Yeah, the Spaniards. Did oh yeah, this. I was about to say that's not my ancestors doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the Spaniards did this, um, and that that caused uh, the Native population to be really subjugated. So even though they, even though these colonies were only like a hundred years old, uh, the the Spanish presence was very heavy already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also a place where you know any where it had a reputation of that anybody could get their own fortune, that anybody could, um, you know, any, anybody from any, from any background, royalty or not, could go there and, you know, become, like, super influential. So that is, I think, part of the reason why um, Catalina decides to go there in the first place. Uh, so um, in this new store that she goes to, um, there's another instance of... Uh, this uh, her her sexuality kind of uh, showing up um, because she's actually fired from her job because she is found um, uh, you know being very uh, intimate with the uh, sister of the boss's wife oh. <laughs> um, to the to the point where the where the sister was uh, asking her to marry uh, and so he like kicked her out because of that. <laughs> Um, it's, and so it's, it's unclear how, it's unclear how much like, um, Catalina, um, was really going after this, but it really seems like she, 
did um she she did uh you know uh he was she was attracted to women um although the entire time she she still i mean she was still kind of uh identifying as a woman uh throughout even though she had this uh even though she was dressing as a man mm-hmm. um and so now she was thrown on the street because of this she didn't really have anywhere to go <laughs> she didn't have anybody to back her up anymore and so what she decided to do was go into the army. And so this is where the lieutenant part comes in, of the lieutenant nun. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Um, and, she becomes yeah. a lieutenant? Oh, yeah. So uh, basically, basically when she was working, uh, when, she, when she got uh, employed in the army, uh, she, um, she went up the ranks pretty quickly because of her ferocity. Uh, at, the, at this time, um, Spain was fighting against the people called uh, the Mapuche people, um, who are in southern, uh, uh, southern Latin America, uh, southern South America, um, and this the Spanish were having a really hard time conquering them compared to the other uh, people at the time, uh, and so she went down to fight against. Uh, she went down to go fight against them, uh, and uh, in uh, in this area, she runs into. And here's where the coincidence come back in. She runs into her brother. Oh, my God. Miguel de Arauso. <laughs> Not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Coincidences. Coincidences. You know, it's coincidence. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so he is working there as well. And when he hears that there's a Bascaro, uh that was just conscripted, he's like, oh, I need to have her in my, I need to have her under my command. Or him. Under yeah. My, yeah. Yeah, because uh, did he not realize? No, like, oh well, God. well. So part of it's also because apparently she didn't know him at all because he left when she was two. Oh, so okay, they sense. don't really recognize. But that doesn't excuse like the fact that her mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't know I I doubt it would even if if they did know each other because mm-hmm. she just seems to be very good at that. So like he so so Catalina like ate dinner at her house at, at his house. Wow. Um, and, and like you got you gotta you gotta think that this kind of been like pretty awkward for her, um, but either way, it was safer than going onto the front lines and fighting. It's quite interesting how she's able to be this secretive and able to handle it. Because mm-hmm. I think if I met my brother <laughs> that doesn't recognize me, I'll be pretty stand up. I'll be pretty um. Or Andrew, the, the... cut that out. That last part where you could barely hear me. I'm gonna repeat that. Thanks, dude. Okay. It's interesting how she was able to be very secretish and still, like, keep that all in. Because I think if I met my brother that I never, like, knew and, like, I had to be at his house and have dinner with him and socialize with him. Why? Can you not see me? <laughs> That's not helping. You got to be louder. <laughs> That's loud. Can you, can you hear me? I can hear you because you're right can next you to me. me. <laughs> you like, I don't know what you're talking like, it's about. Just like, look how tiny you're... <laughs> Wait, Andrew, let me redo this. Wait, pull this down. Sorry, That's Andrew. Right in my ear. Yeah, I'm so sorry you can't really hear me. Hello. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, okay, Andrew, you can <clears throat> now. Okay. okay. I think it's quite interesting how she's able to keep all these secrets to herself and still, like, keep going. Since if I think either of us met a sibling that we haven't seen in years and mm. we had supposed to have dinner with him and you still cannot see him. Okay. You supposed to have dinner with him. You went, sorry, Andrew, cut this out too. Hello. 
No, it's this just, okay, maybe, no. You turned it down. Now I can't hear myself. This only helps for us to hear. I'm being loud, aren't I? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. Sorry, <clears throat> Andrew. I'm, I'm sorry. Your coughing's even loud. <clears throat> okay, okay. okay, I think it's quite interesting how she's able to keep all these secrets and see all these family members not being able to say anything. Because I think I would want to say, hey, you're my brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it really really seems like she... Uh, you know, valued the, valued the freedom she had over, over kind of reconnecting with her family member. Even though she does show a little bit of like grief over the fact that she yeah. couldn't, that she couldn't, um, you know, reconnect with her family. Uh, especially um, when you know events turn tragic, <laughs> which we might see going forward. Whoa, yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of spoiler. Um, so, uh, and with that, we're going to take uh, a little bit of an ad break. Do you have stories to tell? Do you have poems? Do you have art or photos? I actually do, Mason. Why? Wow, because we at Dead Center Literary and Arts Club at Highland Park High School are doing a literary magazine. (gasps) Yeah. What is that? What is a literary magazine? It's going to have poems, stories, art, photography, all uh, all all in a book that you can... Uh, you know, hold in your hands, and you can see, and you can give to other people, and you could say, "Hey, Whoa. I'm published. My stuff is good and professional." That sounds really cool. Yeah, and if you have poems, stories, photography, or art, you should submit it to submit Dead Center 2022 at gmail.com for a chance to to get published in our magazine. Is there a deadline for this? The deadline is uh, probably around the end of March, um, but uh, get them in as soon as you can uh, so we can contact you uh, if we really like your stuff. And really, anything is appreciated, uh, so please don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Star Trek now. Yes, please. Anyways. <laughs> All right, Andrew, cut this out. Cut this out. question. The originals or the new generation? What are we thinking? This is our anecdote break. It's a new, it's a new thing in the podcast. Wait, okay. So I'm from Where are you from? I'm from the Eastern Europe, and uh, wow, <laughs> and uh, in England, in, in, in Ireland. You're, you're, oh, really? You're Irish? A par- uh, partly. That's my mom's side of the family. I don't know it as well. I know my dad's side what of the family. What are you mainly? Um, Ashkenazi Jew. Well, I mean, not mainly. It's like it's like forty nine percent. I'm culturally Jewish, not religiously. Explain. So, I mean, Jew- Jewish is not necessarily a religious thing, although Judaism is a religion. It's also a culture. Yeah. And so, um, I would say I'm culturally Jewish uh, because of you know tradition that with my family. Oh, okay. So, yeah. like, you follow the traditions. Okay, I see. Yeah, and just and that's well, that's how ha- and that's yeah, and that's how I'd like to identify myself. So, yeah. What would you identify yourself religiously? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is really a crazy anecdote break, guys. Um, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> um, I think I would be an uh, agnostic atheist. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. Uh, good yeah. group. Yeah. You, you too? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I just have a good appreciation for you guys. Oh, thank you. What about you? 
I am Christian. Closer to the mic. I am Christian. I when people say ask if I'm Christian, yeah, I am. Do I really do stuff? Like Catholic or No, no. Oh, I'm sorry for anyone that's Catholic. No. <laughs> I am not a um, nun. I'm just Christian. Oh, huh. Okay, they're different, but people think they're the same. They're different. Even like they have some similar views, like the big ideas, but like it's different when you like get it. So what is it called? I'm Christian. Yeah, no, but like what, Christian? like what kind? I don't know. Um, I go to the Reform.